This is Paul Nobles from Eat to Perform, and I am here today with someone that is not Becky. Um, we have Crystal. Crystal is um, one of the top coaches here at Eat to Perform, and she's one of the leads. So whenever coaches have a question, she's one of the people that they go to for these questions. So Crystal, do you want to say hello to everyone? Yes. Good morning, everyone. Uh, we appreciate you taking out some time this Saturday morning to be with us and we hope you guys enjoy. Yeah. So, um, you know, I mentioned this earlier. I know that we have a few new people that have come in, but if you have any questions, throw those into chat. Um, this is a podcast where we do stay muted. We have started to do happy hour um, where we will unmute people. Um, it was kind of interesting. We did that on Thursday. No one chose to be unmuted. We ended up doing it through chat anyway, which is fine. Um, it's sort of hard with everybody having kind of a different audio source for it to actually work out well for a podcast. So chat actually ends up being fine. Um, you can ask us anything you want. We do have a topic, um, and the topic's going to be whether or not it makes sense to do something related to, you know, um, fat loss, various options um, within fat loss, and the advantages to it, the advantages against it, right? So uh, just to get some housekeeping out of the way, we've got some big initiatives going, um, you know, especially for, for lifers. I know a lot of you are kind of the folks that have been with us forever, ride or die, eat performers. Um, I talked about this a little bit on the Thursday podcast, but what happens sometimes is that, uh, you know, when you've been around someone for a long time, you kind of get that long love going where um, it doesn't occur to you every second of every day um, that you're happy with the e-perform experience. But if you could, you know, if you do have friends and family that you think could benefit from using e-perform, we'd love, you know, a referral. We do have a great referral program, so that's helpful. And then we have a referral contest going at all times. So a um, lot of incentives to kind of do that, but I understand it's not always top of mind. And so um, we do appreciate any support that we get in that regard. That's the other thing too. We kind of know that there's basically about two to 3000 people that listen to this podcast whenever we put them out, which is amazing, you know, um, but uh, one of the things that's sort of happening right now, we're making all this really great content with Reels as an example, especially Sarah Hoffman and Sarah Carlson. And uh, we're just struggling to get people sort of engaged with them. And so many people are saying that they don't even know that we're making the content. And part of the reason why they don't know that we're making the content, because nobody's liking, commenting, or sharing. So if you see those, I think, I think this is great content. You know, I know a lot of people will go, well, you know, you should put music behind it or there's all these thought processes related to what makes something um, really pop. Uh, I think the reality is, is that, you know, when you have a lot of people engaging with that content, they see it more often 
And then they realize, oh, this is actually a really nice thing. But the thing about things like reels or anything social media wise, you're up against the rock, right? You're up against shirtless Jason Momoa. You know what I mean? So, so you have to understand that like, you know, are people going to want to talk about, you know, Sarah's views on alcohol, right? When there's shirtless Jason Momoa, right? So um, we realize that. And, and so it's just a matter of trying to put information out there. I do think that for a lot of people, I know for my brother-in-law as an example, um, you know, he wasn't like a diehard eat the performer or, or anything like that, but, you know, he had heard some of the thoughts that we had on protein and he kind of put those into his life. I think for many of you, when you see something that you like, it's not just you that would benefit from it. it. It's actually the people that you you care about. And it doesn't necessarily mean that they have to be an Eat to Performer. The great majority of people that are benefiting from Eat to Perform on a daily basis are not members, right? I mean, we have 1.5 million followers. I can put out a, a question right now today and get 500 comments. So you know, there's a lot of people benefiting from this information that will never be eat to perform members. So kind of keep that in mind. Okay, so let's just dive into the topic. Um, so I want to I want to first address the idea of a mini cut. So a mini cut might be something that would interest people a lot because it feels like oh. I can do a little cleanup here for two weeks, maybe four weeks, whatever. And, you know, I can get back my sanity, which, you know, might be something that you need. The problem with, you know, this is this is where Ethereum is is set apart from the rest of whatever's out there, right? Um, because if you go on a mini cut where we're going to try and be pretty aggressive. So, you know, we might be able to get three to five pounds of weight loss. Problem with a mini cut is now your calories are at a really low number. And so we have to rebuild them again just to get back to normal. And so if you kind of mini cut, you know, every three to four months, you're never going to really be in a position to take advantage of kind of the long-term progress. And, and, you know, I, I keep saying this and we're trying to get this message out a little bit more, more than other places, but the reality is what we're saying is very different. You know, when you're, when you're teaching people and they're comfortable at 2000 calories or more, that is a very unique thing in the space of, of dieting. Right. And so some of these conversations are difficult to have with people, but it's also really important that we have them. And so when you look at a mini cut, the problem that you're going to have is, is you're going to have to reverse out. And that might take six to eight weeks just to get back to normal. And what's going to happen in that scenario? Well, there's going to be potential that you will gain that three to five pounds back, right? Great majority of three to five pounds, you know, is you know, going to be some level of water, some level of glucose stores being filled. You know, I think, I think the one thing that you really want to do. So like, where would I use a mini cut? 
I would use a mini cut when I know I'm not going to want to cut in the next six to eight months, right? So that's how I would I would view that, right? Because I think what happens is, is people go, oh, I just want my sanity back. Maybe we might want to deal with that sanity some other ways right now, right? Um, I think if we're talking about anywhere five pounds or more, um, you really need to start thinking about, okay, do I want to go in fat loss or do I want to schedule a fat loss? So sometimes it's just time, right? And so so you have a, a fat loss scheduled for September 1st, but things have gotten away from you. There's been a vacation. There's all these grad parties. There's all these different things. And so you're talking to Crystal, right? And and back and forth. And she's trying to keep you on track, but there's just all these things that are derailing you weekend after weekend after weekend. You know, that's a good time to go, okay. Now, once again, this, you know, if you want me to put a number on it, I'm going to put a number at about 10 to 15 pounds, right? So you're trying to lose 10 to 15 pounds in this scenario. The thing that you have to be careful of with um, July, as an example, is you have July, so you have mid-August. You want to you want to be able to do kind of a, a good um, AP cycle of maybe two to three months, right? So now we got September, October, November, and then what? Fat loss two is over December, right? Now you could. So like, for instance, the difference between fat loss one in in July and fat loss one in September, not that big a difference, right? So you would be better off probably just still. So like, for instance, if you started fat loss one in September, you really probably want fat loss two in January, right? Because that gives you a chance to go over the holidays and gives your calories a chance to fully reset so that, you know, whenever we're looking at two cycles of fat loss, um, we're really looking at, you know, somewhere in the neighborhood of about 15 to 20 pounds of, of weight loss. And so the only way that you're going to really do that is to get calories all the way back to normal. And so what I would like all of you to do is rather than look at, you know, fat loss one or fat loss two as, you know, these defined time periods, you know, start to look at them as blocks that you can move to wherever makes the most sense, right? Um, I don't believe, you know, for instance, summer is not similar to the holidays, right? Some people don't struggle at all navigating the holidays, Um but summer is one of these things where you just kind of let go of things. This is common in PR. I think anybody who's been a long-term media performer knows this, is that what happens is, is you have kind of these moments where, um, you know, things just start to get away from you. And you start to, to get a little itchy to react, right? The thing about reacting or 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 
seeking, you know, some type of cut. I mean, I think, I think one of the things that I still see people struggling with, even lifers, is that we do the performance part so that we can earn our fat loss. And I really struggle with that, even though that is sort of what is happening, right? Um, You are really setting up your body, mind, workouts, all these things, so that if you do need to make a change, there's something that would happen once you make that change. This is this is what all your friends and family are struggling with, right? Um, and it, and then you go, well, okay, but my friends and family are losing like twenty to forty pounds. I wrote an article to this this week that sort of talked about that, right? Where you know we're envious of these people that have thirty to forty pounds to lose. But we don't take into account the situations that caused those things in the first place for them to have these extremes. And so, you know, when someone loses 30 to 40 pounds, you know, and you're need to lose 10 to 15, or even if you need to lose 30 to 40 pounds, but you've been dieting extremely for, for quite some time, you know, the rules for them aren't the same as the rules for you. I say this on TikTok all the time, like one of the biggest things. So we we have a day in the life coming out for Sarah coming probably tomorrow. Um, and I think I think it'll be interesting, but I don't I don't think it's gonna go viral, right? Um, the things that go viral on TikTok are when someone does a day in the life. And they aren't paying any attention to anything, right? So it's like a Doritos Fest and, you know, it's Taco Tuesday. And then that night they're, you know, go and have hamburgers and fries and, you know, all kinds of alcohol. It's sort of like this um, celebration of gluttony, you know. Um, there are times where influencers um, will do like a day in the life, but they they do them less and less because just people don't respond to them very much. It's like, okay, well, here's my chicken and kale at noon, right? Sarah's is going to be kind of middle of the road, right? It's like 2,300 calories. And when you look at it, you go, oh my goodness, you know, 2,300 calories is really not a lot, you know, um, especially when you're... Um, adding in some foods that you like along the way. I think a lot of the friends and family that you're, that are struggling, um, they don't realize that like, you know, that 300 um, calories of uh, 300 to 500 calories of ice cream, you know, at night, along with, you know, that, that sugary coffee drink that they're, you know, drinking in the morning, you know, those two things are roughly a thousand calories. And then you start to add in regular food and now you're easily at 3000 calories and the 3000 calories that aren't serving you well. Right. Um, so, so I think that that's sort of interesting. I think that, uh, the other thing too is, is it is common for somebody to lose 10 to 15 pounds of fat loss one, right? So you've worked your calories up 2,500, 2,600. You've milked fat loss one for everything you could possibly do. Um, you've even asked your coach for a week or two because things are going well. Trust me, coaches are not going to stop you 
um, if you're just crushing it. But we know that after four to six weeks, things really start to slow down. Mentally, this becomes a little, little difficult. Um, through Ethoform Health, we do have a number of clients that are using, you know, semaglutide or trisepatide, which is like the, the um, pharmaceutical name for Manjuro. Um, you can go a little bit longer, um, but mostly because the, the, how do I describe it? Um, in the beginning, you're going to be doing a little bit better approach than someone that is just trying to do it intuitively on TikTok. Like the dirty little secret of the people shooting up on TikTok is that, you know, they had a lot of really bad habits in the first place, which is why they lost all that weight, right? Like I say this all the time, people just don't give the beer and cheesecake near enough credit. Um, and I, I think that that's a lot of what goes on over there. And then we, as relatively disciplined people who are taking a long-term approach, it's natural to become envious of that, right? Like I have a neighbor, um, he has this cute little Porsche convertible. Um, I don't know, maybe he's got a lot more in savings than I do. I'm not sure, but, um, you know, my guess is he probably doesn't. Right. Um, my guess is that that he just wanted the Porsche and the Porsche in this instance, for many of you, is your friend, you know, taking a shortcut. What I will tell you about, you know, our experience thus far dealing with clients, which now we're starting to get into hundreds of people that are using like semaglutide or trisepatide. You're kind of making a choice. Right. So you have like the side effects versus um the hunger that's your choice right and you know I, i've written pretty extensively about my buddy who was really the first e perform health person and i mean now knowing what he knows he would just choose the hunger right but you know you only know that when you know it um i think that you know, when you look at the people that are having like major success using something like, um, you know, a GLP-1, um, really the only two that I, I think right now are uh, viable is, you know, Ozempic, Wagovi, that's semaglutide, or Manjuro, um, which is trisepatide. Um, rare that your um, your uh, insurance is going to cover this, right? And um, I'm starting to see, it's kind of funny. There was, a, there was a guy and I'm pretty sure he was responding to a lot of my content. And he kept talking about the fact that, you know, if, if, if you don't use this for life, you're going to gain all the weight back. And he would use this like one study or whatever. And since then, there's been a few other studies that have, have kind of come out that have talked about like the perils of long-term use of these drugs. Like they become much more susceptible to thyroid cancer, things of this nature. And um, now, you know, they're sort of changing their tune. They're sort of realizing people don't want to be on this ship forever. Right. And um, 
Now they're starting to make the case for it. And I'm just like, I guess you do get to change your mind. I get to change my mind about stuff all the time. But man, it just sure, it sure feels like if, if you have that strong of an opinion and it's so obvious, you know, the problem with having that strong of an opinion you know, as a doctor recommending this stuff and, and you know, uh, works for really powerful organizations and things of this nature, is you've already scarred a lot of people, right? And those people have heard that information. And the problem is, is that they don't have the data we have, right? And so if you're telling people and you know that bariatric surgery, as an example, the biggest problem with it is that people get to a point where they're eating five to 800 calories and then things just shut off. Right. And metabolic health and things of this nature. It just feels to me like if, if you're a doctor, right. Part of the Hippocratic oath is to not do harm. Right. And I think it's easier to do harm when you are 100% one way or or 100% the other way and i i get it right like i you know playing like the the middle of the road thing whether it, it you know it depends that will often not be the thing that people gravitate towards right because because you know people want the result of the person that lost 80 pounds. Well, then you kind of have to do with the person that did 80 pounds, right? You have to pound Mountain Dew. You have to go to Taco Bell three times a day, right? And I'm not saying that in a negative way. Like, I, you know, I've had a lot of bad habits in my past life also. But what I found was, is that like, and, and this is, isn't exactly how it worked out, but but moving from three times Taco Bell to two times is a better approach for most of these people than it is to just go cold turkey, right? Because I, I think a lot of the people that lost 80 pounds, they're going to plateau. And, and this is exactly what we see, right? This is exactly what we're hearing you know, there was a lady that lost 80 pounds. She was eating, you know, 800 calories a day. She came in um, and, you know, I talked to her, spent a lot of time with her. Um, she decided to move from uh, semaglutide to terzepatide. So her thought process was, you know, I can continue on just as long as I move on to this thing. Right. And it's just going to naturally become a thing where she's going to start two day fasting, three day fasting, all these really extreme things where you just like you just go, oh, my goodness, I, I just don't know. Like, like, I want to be favorable related to these medications. I do know that they can be helpful. And if you're going to use them, you certainly want to have a probiotic. You want to have magnesium, right? You want to have some of the things that you're going to become deficient in because it's going to just be harder and harder to eat food, 
And so, so you kind of got to keep that in mind. And then, you know, you're going to want to look at getting off of it at some point. And so, you know, using it for 10 pounds, 15 pounds, probably not the way to go. I know that that was a distraction, but, but it feels like an important thing to say, given the environment that exists right now, right? Because you have a lot of people moving to this um, and it's affecting the dieting world in a big way. Um, I can tell you exactly what's going to happen. It's the same stuff that happened with Whole30. It's the same stuff that happened with Paleo is there are going to be three to four years into it. Everybody is going to go, yeah, it didn't really do what I thought it was going to do, right? And part of it is because they went for the extreme option rather than the middle of the road option. And instead of trying to lose, you know, 20 pounds, maybe even 30 pounds in a good fat loss cycle, they end up trying to lose 50 pounds. And because of that 50 pounds, now we're rebounding. It's so interesting to me, if you lose 50 pounds, and you regain 15, that's still a good result. And I just don't necessarily understand um, why the great majority of people in this industry aren't teaching that, you know, because I think what's happening is, is we have like this expectation of, you know, extreme weight loss and then just staying at that lowest weight possible, right? I mean, if you, if you lose, you know, uh, 10 pounds, you should expect to gain back three. If you lose 20 pounds, you should expect to gain back five. If you lose 40 pounds, you should expect to gain back 10, right? Like just have like realistic thought processes of what that's going to look like. And frankly, a lot of it is not necessarily um, fat or muscle, right? A lot of it's going to be water or glucose, you know, now you go, well, how would that show up? Would it show up as fat? It definitely would not show up as fat. So it's going to show up on a body fat test as muscle, but it's not really tissue. So you kind of got to keep that in mind, which is why weight goals are so dangerous, right? Um, because when you aren't doing things from a specific time period. So like, as an example, um, client comes to us and they want to lose 20 pounds. So, okay, well, we have a great formula for helping you lose 20 pounds. Um, have you been over-consuming? Yes, I have been over-consuming. Great. This is, this is all working out great. You know, now all of a sudden, you know, we put the person through Fat loss one, they lose 12 pounds. Now we move back to AP. They're, you know, within that process, they maybe on their highest days, it seems like they only lost eight pounds. Some days it's nine, right? And now instead of going through the full process and, and doing a good AP cycle and learning the long-term process of how all of this works. They shortcut the process. They go for something that's more extreme. They stop doing need to perform. And then within six months, they come back. Right. And so there's no 
There's no amount of shortcutting the process that makes the process better. I put up a an image today of Amanda Rourke. So Amanda, I think a lot of you know, has five kids. Every time, you know, I think we we've done we've done basically the last three kids for her. It, 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 we've only taken her through two pregnancies though, but we've been able to get her through breastfeeding, through all these things, all that muscle back, all that ab definition back, right? And part of it is because she understands the template. She knows what she has to do and she's willing to do that to kind of get back that aesthetic that is important to her because it's been a priority in her life most of the time. When you shortcut the process, what ends up happening is you don't really figure out what the long-term process is. And a lot of times, you know, I know for me, when I had my big weight loss, you know, um, which actually ended up being, you know, three or four shorter processes within that process, you know, I got really super lean, super shredded, you know, 40 year old man. Um, I'm not that now, you know, um, because that is not what is important to me. Um, Amanda's a little bit different, you know, uh, Amanda has that motivation to sit in the gym for a couple hours a day, right. To, to, you know, um, that's how she feels best. You know, um, my feelings are not necessarily represented by the look in the mirror. They're, they're more represented by, um, how I feel, um, in my body and what I'm able to do. Right. So it's way more important to me, for instance, to be 20 pounds heavier with a little bit more fat on my body, but being able to play pickleball more, which sadly I'm not able to play right now, just because I've been nursing a heel injury and now I am in a boot. So that is driving me crazy. But, but the nice thing about that is, is that it's allowed me to work on um, more of weightlifting and things of this nature. And so Hoping to go to the gym today to do leg extensions, been doing a lot of pull-ups, a lot of deficit push-ups. And so definitely seeing, you know, my physique change. I think that one of the things that happens with people, um, and when I say people, is it okay if I just say women, <laughs> right? Like, uh, I think women are just becoming comfortable with the fact that being a little bigger is the way to make physique changes, right? So it's it's kind of hard to have like well-defined abs in a deficit most of the time, right? And so within the last 10 years, you're sort of, sort of seeing this movement of people, you know, one of the people that I follow with in CrossFit a lot, you know, is uh, Danny Spiegel, right? And so she's, uh, you know, she's kind of a controversial figure, Um because there is this want in the CrossFit world to be kind of rigid about your workouts and your food and things of this nature. Um, and she is kind of the opposite and to, to the point where she's sort of moving away from CrossFit a little bit. And 
she's moving more into physique goals and, and things of this nature. And what you very clearly see in her instance is that the, if you don't have that want to be small all the time, you can put on muscle, but you can also change your physique. You, you have much more power. Now, if she wanted to do a cut tomorrow, she could probably drop 25 pounds relatively easily, but that's not her goal. Right. And so I think once you kind of see, you know, like I, I used to say this all the time, like, like, like a woman like Danny Spiegel, right. Great example. Um, I would not have personally found that attractive in the past because I would have been sort of intimidated by it. Maybe um, I, I would not have appreciated the level of hard work that went into kind of achieving that aesthetic, uh, things of that nature. And I think the biggest reason why I wouldn't have appreciated it was just because I wasn't doing that at that time. Right. And so once I started to do that, now all of a sudden, physically fit people definitely started to seem more attractive. Now, like I have a very wide range of what I view to be attractive. I think we all do, but we just don't kind of admit it. Right. But but once you start to do hard work in the gym and you start to see the results of that hard work in the gym, now, all of a sudden, a whole new paradigm kind of shifts, right? I mean, like, I didn't necessarily always appreciate um, what it took to be a runner or the aesthetic of a runner or something of that nature until I started to run, right? And started to realize, like, runners are gangster, man. I mean, like, think about the thing about, I, I know people have heard me say this, but but running is one of those things where you could literally stop at any point, you know, like there's nothing keeping them running. I mean, like, you know, unless they're injured, you know, think of like how mentally strong you have to be that. And so like all the runner hate on the internet, like I don't totally get that. I do get why it's easier to show lifting weights and why it's easier to kind of have that thing going. Right. I definitely get that. But man, like, you know, I just, I love all of our runners just because I know what they're doing is really hard. You know, I spent a summer, which was really challenging for me because I have bad feet um, from my motorcycle accident. Um, but I spent a summer running 20 miles plus. Um, this was about five years ago. And I mean, Man, it was, I don't know if if everybody's like me or if I'm like a different kind of person, but 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 this is similar to pickleball. Um, I like longer sessions that sort of beat my body up a little bit where it kind of it kind of where you really feel it, right? Um, because I'm not saying that you didn't do anything if you don't necessarily feel it or if you're not sore or anything like that and I don't train like that all the time but I do like training like that occasionally just to know that I have that in the toolbox right and so it was nice I mean the amount of beating on my body was unreal 
but then I knew how to feed myself. I knew how to regenerate. I knew that the tissue I was breaking down, I could build it back up. That's part of the biggest reasons why, you know, many runners often subject themselves to more injuries and things of this nature is because they started running for physique goals and they get stuck at lower calories. And so when we show them that you can eat 3000 plus, if you're like this, this really super gangster runner, um, all of a sudden everything starts working a little bit better, right? And their runs start to improve. Even if their weight's a little bit higher, sometimes that extra added muscle allows for things to go. So I'm going to get back on the topic because we've sort of, um, sort of uh, strayed into newer areas, but we're pretty much done because um, where we're at right now, so just as a reminder, we were sometimes, if you were planning on fat loss in September 1st, and you start to realize there's a runaway trainer and I got to do something about it, moving it to July 1st or July 15th is not bad. You're probably going to be fine. And once again, summer's not the holidays, right? You can manage these things a little bit easier. And um, sometimes you just have to do something about it, right? So so just to recap here, um, mini cuts, got to be careful with mini cuts because they're, they're resets back to zero, right? So if the, if the whole concept is, the more you're not dieting, the better your dieting cycles are. I don't like to view them that way because I don't believe that you should be view viewing your dieting cycles as you're earning your dieting cycles. But that is a little bit of what's happening, right? It, it is giving you the option to do that. And um, the less you do it, the more effective it will be, right? So keep that in mind. Um, so that brings us to should you just wait till September 1st, right? Um, one of the biggest periods for us, September is almost always our biggest month, weirdly, um, bigger than January, right? Because um, I think that the people that are attracted to eat reform are attracted to action, right? So they're not, they're not these people that are, you know, are going to gain 50 to 80 pounds and then need to lose 50 to 80 pounds. They're, they're somebody that goes through summer, they gain 15 pounds and they want to get back to, you know, baseline, right. Which is, you know, 15 pounds less or, or maybe even only like 12 pounds less if they gain some muscle in that process, which is common. Um, once again, you know, you're going to want to, you're going to want to do a six week cycle, probably wait through the holidays. So you kind of have this weird period of October. Um, there are people that, that can do it. So like, for instance, you could do October, November. And if you have like racing season or CrossFit games or, or something of this nature, you can run a cycle in December, maybe not the easiest for the average person, but if you have large incentives to do it that way, um, it can be very effective. So kind of keep that in mind. But if you can wait till September and you can use, you know, 
um, that holiday period to kind of normalize food, what you'll often see is that you'll get the best result from both fat loss one and fat loss two. I think the thing that we all have to be careful of, and if we're all realistic about it, what, I mean, I think Crystal probably could relate to what I'm about to say here. I have a lot of pride when someone loses 15 pounds, but gains back five because the average person loses 15 and gains back 18, right? And I feel like we get held to our higher standard and I think we should be held to a higher standard. This is the promise of Eat to Perform. This is, this is what we are saying that we can do for you, okay? But there does have to come to be a, 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 a reckoning, you know, that you have to own some responsibility within that also, right? And then also you have to ask yourself, am I going to be willing to put in the effort right, to make sure that I'm able to stay weight stable or I'm able to gain muscle in that process. You know, one of the great things about Eat Perform Health, and, and we're still, we're still um, uh, going to be, um, uh, sorry, I just got distracted for a second there. Um, with Eat to Perform Health, we're we're sort of rolling it out slowly, but there is kind of this process where if you are deficient, you can rinse and repeat a lot, right? Whereas if you are addressing some of these deficiencies, now we can start to put on two to three pounds of muscle in a performance cycle, right? Um, remember that the great majority of what we're going to be doing for the rest of our lives, especially for most of us who are 40 to 50 years old, um, is really just kind of trying to keep what we have, right? Um, and if we can build a little bit in that process, that's great, you know. But I know from myself, from Crystal's standpoint, you know, if we can keep you in that in that five pound range, you know, where do we start to to panic? Where do we start to to reevaluate? Now, when we start to get to that eight to ten, right? And I think that a lot of people look at it and go, "Well, yeah, it's hard to to stay weight stable because my macros went up." Okay, I hear you on that. And, and, and I get why you think that, right? But if you think about what that 2,500 calories are doing or whatever the number is for you, I know, I know people get freaked out by the numbers, but, but if without the numbers, there's no context, right? To this actual discussion. So think about where you used to be, right? So, so let's say you were over consuming and you're eating 2,500 to 3,000 calories. And then on Mondays, you would just fast for two days, right? Um, and it just always ended up being this very extreme type of thing, but you had a tool that you could use so that you could panic, right? What we're saying to you is that the panic is what got you to us, right? And so, yes, when you're eating 2,500 calories, it is more difficult to maintain your weight, right? Be when you have a moment of indiscretion, 
right? We don't want you to panic because you had 4,000 calories over the weekend, right? But we also would like to address why the 4,000 calories happen. Why are we continuously moving in this direction, right? And are you able to put in the effort that is required for to be weight stable in that instance? Or are we just going to be okay with doing more like a Sarah Hoffman approach where you've kind of gotten to where you want to be. You're mentally happy. You're eating food, uh, enough food most of the time that it's allowing you to progress in the gym and have joy in your life. And then every now and again, you do a little cleanup, right? Like that's fine. You know, I would say that that's how I manage my weight. You know, I'm pretty happy where I'm at. I mean, would I be happier at 180 versus 190? I don't tie my happiness to 180 versus 190, right? So like, you know, I think when you have those thoughts, now all of a sudden you're, you're like, really? Like, I can't be happy because my weight has moved up a little bit. I mean, I know why my weight moves up from 180 to 190. You know, it's not a secret, you know? And I think we're all not being inherently honest with ourselves about what that is, right? Because we don't technically want to do the extreme thing. Uh, it's not extreme, but but you don't understand what I mean. Like like when you move to a fat loss cycle, it sucks, right? So like you know, I had a friend of mine. We were went to a basketball game together. And he's like, yeah, you know, I'm trying like, you know, 2,000 to 2,200 calories just because I don't want to, you know, go into fat loss that often. And I was just like, man, you're you're in fat loss all the time. And I was like, I, I, is that allowing the kind of flexibility that you need in your life? And the the problem isn't the... 2,800 to 3,000 calories that he would have been eating using Eat Reform. The problem is he drinks a lot of beer, right? And we got to be honest about the damn beer, you know? And so, so you know, when he's on Eat Reform and he's tracking his macros, he's doing good, you know, weight's moving, but it's not moving a lot. Now, all of a sudden, you know, if you allow yourself to, to gain 30 pounds because you spent six months trying IPAs. Let's just be honest about trying the IPAs for six months. Let's figure out a way to manage that. But looking at being miserable most of the time or being kind of middle of the road. And I mean, he basically just said to me, you know, you were right, you know, um, and so, so he's going to come back and he's going to get back. But every time, you know, I mean, it, it's a lot like love, right? Like if every day you're working on your relationship with your family and your wife and your life and your habits and your routines and things of this nature, but you you spend too much time yearning for other people's lives or other people's marriages or other people's travel, like it just kind of takes away from like, what makes your thing good, right? Now you could probably improve your thing, you know, even within need reform, the process of learning is forever, right? 
but but like I don't spend a lot of time, you know. Um, I don't spend a lot of time yearning for my dude's Porsche. You know what I mean? Like, like that's his life. You know, would I like to go for a ride with him in it? Sure. You know, have I driven a Porsche? Absolutely. You know, it is fun. I will tell you that if you have never driven a Porsche, go for it. It is fun, but it's fun for like two seconds. You know, we actually, we're car sitting right now, a little Miata convertible. Man, you want to you want to get a lot of attention, drive around in a Miata convertible, right? I mean, we were we were at Dairy Queen the other night and this little girl um was eating her uh ice cream and her ice cream almost fell because she was so focused on our little car. I'm just going to tell you just based on the way that that little girl looked on that day, She's going to have a little red convertible sometime in her life in the future, right? Just because, because it's just like, it's a lifestyle that, you know, seems really appealing, but is it taking away from kind of you and who you are and your, you know, your thing, right? It's like a fun distraction to have, but if you become obsessed about it, now maybe you're not going to put in the work to show the appreciation for what you have or what you've done in your life. And I think a lot of time we all end up with these little distractions that, that kind of, kind of work against our long-term goals. And so, so that's it, right? Um, I do think that what I would like all of you to do is to view these blocks, these fat loss as six to eight week blocks that are optional. But if you decide that you're going to do a fat loss cycle, stick to that plan if you can, right? But if, as an example, you surprise yourself and lose 10 to 15 pounds in the process, you might want to still do fat loss too. Because you might need to go a little bit further in that process so that you keep to the plan and then you're not panicking every single time. And then you end up doing fat loss one every now and again. Becky actually talked about this, um, that uh, she actually does one fat loss cycle each year, but six months at a time. Right. So like, for instance, she'll do a fat loss cycle, take a diet break for six months and then do another fat loss cycle. Right. Or whatever the the math is. Right. Um, Which is a perfectly viable way of doing it. Right. But we have to be we have to get to the point where we we can be proactive about our health. Last thing I say, we have a few questions, a few thoughts that are coming in to the to the chat. If you have a lot of weight to lose, if you. If you need to lose 30 to 50 pounds, the path to doing that is the rinse and repeat cycle that is going to be best, but you can't do it half-assed. You know, we have a a story that I haven't put out yet. I'm probably going to put it out today, actually, now that I think about it. But there's a a friend of mine, I actually talked about this on the podcast, um, Chema. Um, who actually works with us um, on doing some of our ads. 
And uh, he kind of came to us from a low carb background, lost 20 pounds, things of this nature, kind of looked like a smaller version of kind of his bigger self, but it was a good start, right? He, he got move, motivated to move, joined Eat to Perform. Um, we put him in performance immediately, told him no chance. We're not doing fat loss. You are going to performance. I mean, like just being real, dude's doing two days. You know, his calories are at 3,100. He'll be at 4,000 soon, you know, down another 10 pounds. Look, man, you know, if you have extreme weight to lose, you're going to have to gangster up. But you can't be gangster 90% of the time, right? You can only be gangster 10% of the time. And that's what I keep telling Chema is like, look, You've got the whip right now, man. Use it, right? Just just do whatever you can, and then we'll run a fat loss cycle. You know, right now he's at 30. We're going to get to 50 easy. I mean, you can see his jawline now. Major changes. But you got to ask yourself, man, if you've been doing this diet thing for 40 years, you that gangster? You really going to do that? You know what I mean? Maybe you, maybe being at 170 to 180 and kind of manage that is kind of more realistic for you at this point. And that's okay, right? A lot of people look at that and go, okay, well, that that's my excuse to not do eat to perform. Is it? Because are you going to be comfortable going to 200? Right? And that's what I'm saying is that we get to this point where we start to covet these different lifestyles but we don't cover the consequences of those different lifestyles. And, and that's where I think we kind of, kind of, you know, go the wrong way. Okay. So and I saw the question about the app. Um, I don't necessarily. Yeah. Okay. So still on beta web access. So that's Android. You know, we like to give you guys some, semblance of ideas of when these things are coming we still are hearing july um so so we're really hoping that july we are hoping that um we see a beta we haven't seen a beta yet for android so that is something that we are looking at um i understand that it's a, it's a pain in the ass and um you know the, these things cost a lot of money and they take a lot of time, right? And I know that that's not like what everybody wants to hear, but you've already come this far and you've been doing it for this long. It is close, right? It, are we going to see it in July? I I always go by when somebody tells me it's going to be a week or two, it's going to be a month to six weeks, right? Um, that's just how app development works. So that's the answer to that. I know that's not the best answer. That's not the answer you probably want to hear, but that is the answer, but it is close. And we have been working on it for quite some time. And just so you know, you know, even in its full form, there's going to still need to be work that gets done. So some of the function that you see in the web app, you're going to go, oh, well, shoot, I kind of like that. Right. So kind of keep that in mind. Um, Christine said, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's Porsche. Um, 
It's so wild. Um, I am a car guy. I watch car stuff on YouTube's uh, on YouTube. Uh, I'm lucky enough to have friends that have these cars so I can drive them. I also, um, when I am in Las Vegas or something, um, oh, one funny story where you always kind of envision yourself. Like It was a little bit what I just talked about. Like you envision yourself as this gangster and then you're like, yeah, I don't, I, you know, the things that I was willing to do in my 40s, I'm just not willing to do as a 55 year old man. And so that means that I need to eat a little bit less every now and again. Um, the uh, but I was in Las Vegas, you know, a lot of times when I'm traveling in L.A. or something like that, I will rent a car if I fly. And usually I try to upgrade to a little bit better car. And so we were in Las Vegas and we rented a Ford Cobra Shelby, which um, is one of my like, you know, um, kind of dream cars or whatever. Um, but uh, so we went out, my wife and I we drive, we get up to 100 and right at 100, it kicks into last year and the back shakes a little bit. And I was like, OK, we're done with that. <laughs> So you like think that you're you're willing to be fast and try hard and, you know, all these things. And it's just like, no, I'm too old for this shit. You know, uh, my car kind of wiggling at 100 miles per hour doesn't feel safe. And so um, it would be funny to to buy a hundred thousand dollar car. I mean, that's actually I've talked about this. I'll probably write about this a little bit on kind of my personal blog, but just the fact that every car is a hundred thousand dollars right now just drives me nuts. I don't even, you know, I, I don't even get it. You know, the car notes on, on that, you know, it's just, just amazing. I mean, you're just trying to go to the damn grocery store, you know, cars just have so little value long-term. I just don't get that. But anyway, um, I understand breaking into coach and need to get her used to my limited access. Yeah. You know, it can be frustrating, but, but trust me, we're, we're working on it. Uh, we are definitely looking forward. There is actually some, some cool new stuff coming that I think everybody's going to like once they see it. But once again, you know, when we, when we started with the concept of a coaching app, we were, we were the first coaching service to ever have an app. Um, um, especially in the app store, you know, going from zero to that was like, oh my goodness, this is the most amazing thing that ever happened. Thank you, Paul. Thank you, Eat to Perform. Now that you have it, the changes that you make, as good as they are, they'll never be as good as that change from zero to an app. <laughs> right. And we get that from your perspective, um, that your expectations of us are high. Um, your expectations for us will never be higher than our expectations for ourselves. Right. Um, we have designed the company so that we constantly make improvements. Right. And so um, be on the lookout. I appreciate the patience. I understand the frustration, but that is the answer. All right. I appreciate everybody being here. I hope this is helpful. What I wanted people to come out of this with is the idea that if you have to act in July because things have gotten too bad, 
there's no judgment. It's not like we at Eat to Perform want you to eat nonstop, right? We're okay with you having to make these proactive decisions related to your health. But what we don't want you doing is making these proactive decisions for very little return that are is going to upset the alpha car, right? And so I appreciate everybody being here and I hope everybody enjoys your weekend. Bye now. And thanks, Crystal, for stepping in. And I can help. Have a good weekend, everyone. Bye-bye.